Welcome to the Architect of Change Show with your host, Connie Whitman of Whitman and Associates. Now, here's Connie. Hi, I'm Connie Whitman, your host, and you're listening to Architect of Change on webtalkradio.net. I was really happy to have you, excuse me, with, with me this week. All right, so today I chose a quote by Abraham Lincoln, and it says, Most folks are about as happy as they want to be. Happiness, wow, uh, something I think we all strive for but often just can't get it right. Today, we're going to talk about some of the challenges we face on our path to peace of mind and how to clear that path to actually reach our goals. Did you know that 80% of our thoughts are negative? And humans have, I'm just going to break this down for you, humans have approximately 60,000 thoughts per day. So if 80% of them are negative, that means about 48,000 of them are negative, that, that negative talk um, in our head. So what does that say about our psyche? Research has also, also found that 98% of our daily thoughts are actually the same thoughts we had yesterday. Talk about being on a hamster wheel. With all of these stats, what does it really mean to us? So think about how you feel during and maybe at the end of the day. Are you filled with energy, enthusiasm, or are you usually faced with fatigue and just trying to keep your head above water? If fatigue often overshadows your days, then your thoughts are probably clouded with words like never, shoulda, woulda, coulda, and my favorite, I can't. We get stuck with our own negative record playing, getting stuck and repeating the same negative thoughts and ideas over and over again. You know, how do we, how do we just stop this insanity? Well, get ready to get reset. My wonderful guest today is Mike, uh, Michael Sage Hyder. Um, and he is, we have to check out his uh, profile. He has a BS degree in engineering an MS degree in philosophy with a strong minor in psychology. He also has his law degree. He was a trial attorney for 11 years and a California Supreme Court judge for 30 years and has recently retired. For, get, for decades, during his tenure as a judge, he was also working on how to bring enduring peace of mind really the greatest treasure in the world to people with those troubled souls. And I think that applies to all of us. Michael does this for folks regardless of what's happened in their past, their present situation, and their prospects for the future. He offers this valuable information in his book called Spiritual Healing, Making Peace with Your Past. Michael provides healing steps and methodology in his books, which we're going to talk about today, for those wishing to step out of the negative vortex of their thoughts and enter into a life filled with positive, beautiful, enriching thoughts. So, Michael, thank you so much for being on the show, and I'm, I'm really excited about today's show. Well, I thank you, Connie, for having me, and I, too, am excited about the show. Yeah, and, and, you know, that background, it, when you first sent me your information, I was like, holy smokes, he's got a lot of stuff. He's a pretty smart dude. So now with that very varied background, can you tell us how your education, uh, especially the law piece of it, I guess, but really your whole vast, vast uh, education, you know, what did you learn or understand about life and what have you found to be probably the most important thing? If there is well, by, far, excuse me, by far the most important thing in life is having what I call enduring peace of mind, and it's that contentment that we all want. Um, we certainly know it's not fame and fortune because of all the uh, 
people that we know who are superstars, uh, the Marilyn Monroe's, the Kurt Corbain, the Robin Williams, who have taken their lives. So we, I think all the spiritual leaders would tell us that this enduring peace of mind, contentment is the most important thing in life. What got you started in your quest? Because in my my in the information you gave me in my my introduction, you know, you studied this for decade as you were a judge at the same time. What was the catalyst? Was there a catalyst for you? I would have to say it was when I was practicing as an attorney. I did a tremendous amount of family law, so I had a lot of divorce cases, and at one time. And simultaneously, I was handling a case with Mary, who was a farm worker, have to go out to the fields to work every morning uh, with taking the children that were in school along with her. She had virtually nothing, materialistically speaking. Uh, her husband was very abusive. She, uh, she came to my office with two black eyes. And, oh. yeah, it, it was, that's right, uh, is the right response. Oh, really? Yeah. And, you know, we went through the divorce. He left, gave no emotional or financial support. Uh, and she was so happy. I'd see her downtown in Merced, the town where I lived at the time. And I'd say, how are you, Mary? And say, oh, wonderful. The kids are doing well. They're in school. My oldest one is now in junior college and on and on and on. At that same time, I was handling a divorce for someone who actually was a friend of my wife's. Uh, and her husband had made many, many wise investments. He had a tremendous business, made a lot of money. And she was upset because he was spending too much time on his business, which you have to do, obviously, uh, and not enough time with her as she perceived it. And they used to take many expensive vacations. Uh, she had the good life. She really did. But she was miserable because she felt that he was not treating her well. At her divorce, I handed her a $3 million check, a million-dollar promissory note, which he paid off the next year, and he picked up all the expenses for the children going to college. Now, how do you reconcile that? How can Mary, who has nothing, again, materialistic speaking, because she's got everything when it comes to peace of mind, how do you reconcile that with Pamela, who had everything, is the most miserable person you could ever want to be around or not be around. And that's how I got started. So what disparity? That had to be a flip of a switch for you, to, I would imagine, to say, wait a minute, i got to peel back this onion. You know, what's going on here? <laughs> that's exactly right. Yeah. And when I got into it, it was interesting because uh, I decided there's only three things and this applies to the 7 billion people on the earth, only three things can destroy your peace of mind. The first is thinking about what that horrible person did to you in your past. Mm -hmm. And when you think about it, it makes your blood boil. That was certainly Pamela, her concept of being neglected. The second category that destroys your enduring peace of mind is thinking about the stupid things that you've done for which you can't forgive yourself. Yeah. And the third category is what fate's done to you. Were you born blind, deaf, do you have a speech impediment? Now, Connie, <laughs> please notice what I said. Thinking about that person, thinking about the stupid thing you did, thinking about what fate did to you. So this is all about thoughts, and I have concluded that what we think about determines who we are. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like 
Yeah, I'd like to do a little experiment uh, to drive this home, and this is so important. So if you'll permit me, I'd like to go ahead. Sure, absolutely. Okay. All right. I'm going to ask you, and I'm going to ask everyone in the audience to please close your eyes and put your head down, and I want you to dwell on these, what I call God I, that's G-O-D hyphen capital I, positive thoughts. And I say that because they come from the God that lives within us. So here we go. Think about how excited you were when you got your first car. Think about how excited you were when you moved into your first apartment. Think about the day you fell in love. Think about the day you were engaged. Think about your wedding day, how beautiful or handsome you looked. Think about the day your first child was born. Think about cuddling that child for the first time. And think about the happiest day of your life. All right, heads up, eyes open. How do those thoughts make you feel, Connie? Freaking amazing, of course. <laughs> of course. Yeah, they yeah. do. Yeah, yeah. Overwhelmed, with, overwhelmed with gratitude, I would say. I say so, too. Yeah. Now, we're going to go to a not-so-pleasant experiment. Okay. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes again, put your head down. We're going to talk about Satan eye thoughts, and these come from the Satan that lives within every one of us. Okay. Think about when you were physically abused. Think about when you were mentally abused. Think about the most horrible thing you ever did. Think about the most horrible thing that was ever done to you. Think about the worst day of your life, and think about what a complete schmuck you are. Okay, heads up, eyes open. How do those thoughts make you feel? Not, not so good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're horrible. They're horrible. Yeah, yeah. Now, this, this is what's so important. I've done this experiment hundreds of times over the last 20 years, and it's always the same result. There are very few things in life that are absolutely certain. But I maintain, as we've just proved, that beyond any doubt whatsoever, if you dwell upon God-I positive thoughts, you're going to feel positive. And if you dwell upon Satan-I negative thoughts, you're going to feel negative. That is absolutely certain, never any exceptions. So I combine those two thoughts into what I call a good good life truth. If you want to have the good life, then you've got to realize Quote, the type of thought I choose to dwell upon in the present moment determines how I feel in the present moment, end of quote. Now let me repeat that because it's so important. The type of thought I choose to dwell upon in the present moment determines how I feel in the present moment. That is absolute truth. Cannot be any exceptions at all to that. Uh, so, it it, can take... I just can I just comment, Michael? So, it, w- really, the reality is, whatever our perspective is at the moment for the day, at whatever point in your life, whatever your perspective is, that truly does manifest into your reality. I think that's r- probably right, but I talk about thoughts instead of perception. Um, I think I, I'd have to give a little bit of thought because it, thoughts and perceptions certainly are in the same league, but uh, not exactly the same thing. But, yeah, I prefer to talk about the thoughts. That's a type of thought. You have, you have these God-eye thoughts. Everybody's experienced that, feeling good about something. Absolutely. And you have this, yeah, and you have the Satan-eye thoughts. We're bombarded from within by both God-eye thoughts and Satan-eye thoughts. 
And if you dwell on those Satan night thoughts, you're going to be a Charles Manson, you're going to be a Hitler, you're going to be any of these horrible people. That's all I told. Can the out, outside environment, like the you know what's going on in our political arena right now, for example, and you know the wars that are just you know breaking out every day. You hear about bombings and terrorism, and does that impact? Do you think that also impacts our thoughts in addition to what we've experienced within? Well, I, yes. The answer to your question is yes. Obviously, it impacts us. Uh, but all that's really important is to understand from whatever outside triggering events it is, is you got to understand you're going to have positive thoughts, you're going to have negative thoughts. You can't get away from that. Mm-hmm. So... As I said, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to figure out, gee, I should really dwell on the positive thoughts and I should obliterate or kill the negative thoughts. Because we know if I dwell on the positive thoughts, we just proved it beyond all doubt, I'll feel positive. Mm-hmm. And we know if I dwell on negative thoughts, I'll, I'll feel negative. So the issue well, be- uh, okay, I'm sorry. No, no, finish no. your thought. I apologize. Yeah, so the the issue becomes... Uh, how do I dwell on just positive thoughts and how do I obliterate all negative thoughts? Okay, go ahead. Yeah, well, that's what I was going to kind of say. The, you know, if 80% of our thoughts are negative, wow, how do we kind of get control of that so that, because they're never going to go away. I, I just, I don't believe that you're just going to stop having negative thoughts tomorrow because you, you, you know, you made this awareness um, for me. So how do we get control of that? I guess that's the, the key point or that or you know way to do that you're exactly right you're a quick study (laughs) 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 no you really you really are because that's the issue Uh, yeah you can't stop the positive or negative thoughts coming into your mind that's impossible they're going to come there Uh, but you can control the ones you dwell on and the way you do it uh, is by a methodology that I call using SOAP, S-O-A-P. But SOAP obviously is an acronym, and it stands for S is to stop, O is obliterate, A is alter, and P is praise. So the very instant that you have a negative thought, you realize you're dwelling on a St. Nine negative thought, what that person did to me, what fate did to me, uh, any negative thought, You've got to use soap. You've got to say stop, say it out loud, unless you're in a big crowd and you don't want to embarrass yourself, I suppose. But stop, then you kill that thought. Obliterate, stab, stab, stab. Uh, obliterate the thought. But it's so important you've got to alter it. You've got to replace the negative thought with the positive thought. Gee, uh, my team just won the World Series. Or, gee, uh, I had this interview with Connie. It was just wonderful. And then P is praise. There's a higher power that uh, we should all be very, very indebted to. So you praise him. uh, If it's God, it's fine. Whatever God is to you, thank you for all you've given me. So if you stop, obliterate, alter, praise, you're going to get rid of the negative thoughts. And I guarantee you that if the statistics are 80,000 uh, negative thoughts a day, or 80,000 thoughts, and I guess it was 48,000 of those, whatever those numbers, yeah, were yeah. negative. Yeah. yeah. If you start doing that, if you start using soap, start obliterating every single negative thought, 
then you soon find that you don't have as many negative thoughts coming into your mind. You actually yeah. learn, you become a, a Mother Teresa or someone who just sees good in people. Uh, it's just a shifting, it's really a shifting of our paradigm of thinking. Um, but it's like anything else. It's a muscle memory, right? The more you practice it, the easier it becomes. And then you start doing it without thinking. It becomes a good habit. And we're, we're really replacing a good habit with a with, um, you know, negative habit. This is a real good place to, to take a break. And then I just want to comment on the soap. I love, first of all, I love the acronym, but I just want to comment on that. Let's take a real quick break and then we come back. We'll continue uh, this very exciting discussion. It's a shame when you're feeling stuck in your business and you feel like you have nowhere to turn. It's a shame when you slog through long days in your business and you don't get any return. It's a shame when you feel like you can't see the forest for the trees and your business brings you to your knees. Einstein said repeating the same actions over and over won't produce different results. So stop feeling ashamed. Your business and you deserve better. Change that shame into righteous fame. Connie Whitman can tame that shame. Connie Whitman of Whitman Associates will help you to discover your new path, and nothing will ever be the same. Connie's tried and true one-on-one coaching sessions will tame that shame so you and your business will not continue in vain. Call Connie Whitman of Whitman Associates today at 732-888-1420. That's 732-888-1420. Or email Connie at WhitmanAssociates.com. Call Connie. Turn that shame into your game. Okay, we are back, and we are speaking with Michael Heider, and we are talking about um, his new book, which is, I wrote it down here, yell it out for us. Spiritual Healing, Making Peace with Your Past. Yes, I just, as you said it, I saw it in my notes here. Oh, I got too many notes for myself. Um, so my, here's my, my, I was giggling as you said the soap, right? First of all, I love the acronym. In my head, I'm thinking, gosh, wouldn't it be easy if we could kind of peel back our brain, pull out, pull out our thought process, kind of clean it up with the soap, <laughs> and then put it back in. I'm a visual learner, Mike. So to me, I love that um, acronym because really that's what we're doing, right? Cleaning our thoughts up. Absolutely. You're taking control of your thought dwelling. Uh, This is so simple. Either you're going to control your thoughts or your thoughts are going to control you. And that is so important to understand that. You know, and so many people, and I'm sure you guys listening, we all know people who are so negative and Anytime you talk to them, all they talk about is the things that have gone wrong. You never hear them talk about things that they're grateful for or any blessings they have. Maybe at Thanksgiving they stop and do that. And oftentimes what I find, Mike, is they give you, oh, I'm so lucky, and then they do the but, and then they put the negative, which is really what they're thinking, which is the negative. The but negates it. So why why do some people seem to get just so stuck and I think oftentimes they want to they want to be defined by that negative because they get negative attention maybe I, I don't know what have you found through your research well what I've concluded is that there are people who want to have pity parties it's yes. oh poor me yes. please feel sorry for me you know look how terrible this is that my husband's not paying enough attention to me you know they just and I don't understand all the ins and outs of that, but they actually enjoy pity parties. They want to be pitied, and and that's the same. And they, you know, therefore dwell on their negative thoughts, and therefore they're going to feel negative. It's it's so simple. 
It's so simple. But as you pointed out, it's a skill. It's like uh, playing the piano or being a ball player. It takes a lot of practice. It's a skill. The concept is easy. You know, hit the ball. Okay, that's an easy concept uh, to understand. To do it is something different. Absolutely. So you really do have to practice. Right, go ahead. No, I was going to say execution is everything, right? We could say, oh, I understand, and then never do anything with it. Well, guess what? Nothing's going to change. Uh, you know, definition of insanity, doing the same thing over and over, and you're expecting a different result. Like, who's the crazy right. one, right? So yeah, now, exactly. yeah, and, and I... For me, I, I feel like all wonderful information. You gave us this ton of information. Can you pull it together in a summary for everyone? I know a lot of folks are driving. They could come back, though, and listen to this. Um, and, and I know people take notes. I know I have notes in a journal that I keep for my shows because it's, there's so much good, relevant information um, that I actually try to apply and use in my life. So can you kind of give us a summary? Yes, I very much would like to do that. Thank you for the opportunity. Uh, first of all, number one, you know that the source of your every positive, rich, good, uplifting thought is the God I living within you. Second, you know that the source of every negative, untoward, evil, self-defeating thought is your Satan I living within you. Third, you know with absolute certainty, and so comfortable to talk about things with absolute certainty because there are so few of them in life. But you know with absolute certainty, as our experiment proved, that if you dwell upon your God-eye positive thoughts, you'll feel positive. Fourth, you know with absolute certainty, as our experiment proved, that if you dwell upon your Satan-eye negative thoughts, you're going to feel negative. Fifth, you know that by using soap, you can control the type of thought you dwell upon, which means that you're able to control your feeling in the present moment since your present moment feeling is determined by the type of thought you're dwelling upon in the present moment. Sixth, therefore, you know that since you alone are responsible for the type of thought you choose to dwell upon in the present moment, which then determines your feeling in the present moment, then you must, whether you like it or not, accept full responsibility for how you feel in the present moment. In other words, you're responsible for your feelings every moment of your life since you're responsible for what type of thought you dwell upon every moment of your life. So seventh, and I now give you one of the greatest, what I call, good life truths, 14 words which will change your life forever if you'll only practice it. And that good life truth, which will change your life forever, is, quote, I alone am responsible for how I feel every conscious moment of my life, end of quote. Let me repeat that. I alone am responsible for how I feel every conscious moment of my life. And this is a sacred truth that gave all of the great spiritual leaders, Jesus, Buddha, Confucius, their enduring peace of mind, and it's a sacred truth that will give you and your audience wonderful, enduring peace of mind. So don't ever, ever, ever blame anyone else or anything else for how you feel in the present moment. Never, never, never. Never blame your spouse, your children, your parents, your boss, your employees, your, how the business is going. Never. 
even Satan, I thoughts. Don't blame them for how you feel in the present moment because you control how you feel by controlling what thoughts you dwell upon. You know, Mike, though, I, I think, and I, first of all, I, I agree with you 100%, and I loved your uh, synopsis, the, the seven little steps there, and I hope people go back and write them down and reflect upon them beyond just listening to the show, because to me they were very concise, clear, and a little bit of a how-to on how to shift that paradigm of thinking. But number six, you use the word responsibility, and I feel like we are a society of deflection, and blame, blame others. Don't take responsibility. Um, parents are teaching their children, well, and, and again, I don't know that they even realize they're teaching their children, but how not to own and be responsible. Um, they make excuses for the kids and blame a teacher or blame whatever. Instead of letting the kids self-assess, you know, what is the situation? How could you approach, have, have approached that, whatever it was, differently? And do you think the outcome would have come differently? We're not teaching our kids how to think about how to self-correct. And that's why we have this blaming and deflection um, that goes on. And I just want to give an example. When my, um, I've used this example before, Mike, but just you and I have never spoken about this. When my kids were little, um, I, my boys play, play ice hockey. They're both goalies. And both of them, when they hit around the age of 10, um, they, they were playing since they were about six years old. So it took several years, but they would come off the ice every game and say to my husband and I, how did I do? Oh, loaded question, right? You don't answer. You're, you've reflect, you deflect it back to them by saying, well, how do you think you did? Help teaching them how to self-assess, right? Because they know what they did or didn't do. And, and in their world, right? In their ability to comprehend and dissect. And initially, they're, oh, my defenseman did this and, and deflect, blame, blame. And my husband and I never said, well, you did this wrong. We would always say, win as a team, lose as a team, and until you're perfect, don't point the finger, right? And you're not a coach, so you have a lot to learn as well. And that would be it for the discussion. And around 10 years old, they both around the same time frame in their age, in their, in their life, would get in the car and had I do, you know, this, it was so funny because it was like, we're going to ask you how you think you did, right? But we went through these little gyrations, and... At that point, they both started saying, ah, I wish I had the third goal back, my angle was off, or I misread the play, or I should have anticipated the lateral movement, whatever it was. And my husband and I remember thinking, holy crap, what a great goal. And we would say this to them, what a great goal. You learned from that. What a great experience. You'll never make that mistake again. Now here's, and, and I'm not bragging by any stretch, because at the time my husband and I didn't know what the heck we were doing, but now as I fast forward in life more wisdom and I see my children growing up, they do take accountability when they mess up. Oh, they like to blame teachers and stuff, and my response is always, that's life. You're going to like people, you're not going to like people. How do you function? How do you move about uh, around that? Develop the skill because it's not going away. So I, I, without realizing it, I think we've taught our kids. Don't believe me. They complain. You know, they're typical kids. But I think we've taught them how to self-analyze um, themselves and self-assess. And I think we're missing that as a culture. And I'm just curious as to your thoughts on that. It just it makes me crazy. Yeah. Well, my thoughts are that your children are very, very fortunate to have you and your husband as parents. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. when they're 21 and they're going through therapy, I'll let you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, then you call me and I'll reassess the uh, situation. <laughs> <laughs> totally right, totally. <laughs> yeah, no, I, you're absolutely right. Uh, you know, uh, I 
think that fortunately with our children, they would all tell you that I alone am responsible for how I feel every conscious moment of my life. You know, we, we didn't have pity parties. We sat mm-hmm. down and we would, ex- we would explain all these things and uh, say that, yes, you're going to have problems from what this despicable person does to you. You're going to have problems over the stupid things that you did. You're going to sure. have problems over what fate did to you. But sure. it, it, it's, once an incident is over, it's over. It's dead. It's finished. Uh, and you've got to understand that. It's only thinking about the incident that can hurt you. And obviously, if you think about the incident and Satan I negative thoughts, you're going to feel negative, as we proved. Uh, and if you see the good that comes out of it, just exactly what you were telling me, that you talk to your kids about, well, how do you think you did? What about this goal? What about that goal? So even if things seem bad, they are not necessarily bad. And so how you think about everything determines who you are. It's, Thought dwelling is so important, and we never talk about it. It's never taught to us. It's never. No one ever says, "Okay, you've got to learn to think about God." I positive thoughts, and you got to learn to destroy Satan. I negative thoughts. But yeah, it can be done. It, it can. can and 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 here's the thing. I just I really do want to share with everybody again. You know, Mike's book, Spiritual Healing, Making Peace with Your Past, there's so many tools and methodologies that he shares in the book to help you execute what we're describing. I know you're all listening, at even you're driving or you're, you're working in your office and you have this playing. You're thinking, oh, yeah, of course our thoughts become a reality. Oh, yes, I've heard that before. Oh, yes, I know that. Well, that's a wonderful thing that you're aware of it. But I don't think we often talk about the tools on how to shift that thinking so that we really can change the reality um, that happens around us. And I love what you said about bad, bad crap happens to all of us. You know what? That's life. So how do you look back on whatever the bad event was and say, what did I learn from that? Or how did I grow from that? Or wow, I needed that to happen before this could have happened or for, before I would be open to whatever the new opportunity is. We don't look at those things. And I think in Mike's book, Spiritual Healing, Making Peace with Your Past, he does really a beautiful job of that. Um, so here's the deal, guys, because we're almost out of time. I'm going to give you Mike's information. Also, you can purchase the book on Amazon. The holidays are coming. What a beautiful holiday gift. Just saying. And Mike's website is Michael Hyder. So it's M-I-C-H-A-E-L-H-I-D-E-R and then dot T-A-T-E author dot com. Don't worry, I promise I will put the website on the Web Talk Radio Architect to Change platform. You guys will be able to click and go. And Mike, they could get the book on your website as well, I would assume, right? Yes, that is correct. And I will also post, uh, Mike has uh, shared with me his personal email address. So if you guys have specific questions for Mike, even as you're reading the book, um, I'm sure, Mike, that they can email you and you'd be happy to respond since you gave me the email, correct? I'd be very happy to respond. Awesome. And I I will post Michael's email also on the Web Talk Radio so you guys can have that um, for your records as well. Uh, Mike, first of all, the half hour, it just blows my mind when I have these uh, just interesting, brilliant people like yourself on who just challenge how we do things and challenge us to make those little shifts like using the soap method, right? And I just, I I appreciate your time and your brilliance in how you delivered with such clarity, just such a beautiful message. And again, a a tool that we can all start using literally today. So I thank you for that as well. Well, I 
Can't thank you enough, Connie, for having me on the program. I get very excited about talking about this stuff because I know it works. And if sure. people would just do it, they're going to have what I call enduring peace of mind. Nothing will destroy their peace of mind. It's true. And that's, I think, what we all strive for, right? Just happiness, ha- internal peace and happiness. Um, and, and, guys, there's a tool out there. So go and buy it, okay? Uh, buy it for yourself as, as a holiday present. Uh, also, you guys know... Please email me directly because as Mike, I also respond to the emails personally. I don't hire someone to do that. So email me at Connie at WhitmanAssos.com. If there's topics you'd love me to cover, if you'd love me to have a guest on again to go into even more detail, I'm happy to do that. Or, of course, if I can help you personally in some way, uh, grow your business, uh, your sales experience, et cetera, please reach out to me. Uh, Michael, thank you again for your time and just for your um, your wonderful uh, ease of speaking also uh, that made it just so understandable. So that's appreciated as well. And again, thank you very much for having me as a guest. Truly my pleasure. Uh, I hope you guys will all join me weekly as we question, build, and discover together how we can grow and challenge ourselves so we all embrace change, whatever that is for you, and realize that it really, really is possible and so much easier than we oftentimes think. Uh, you've been listening to Architect of Change with me, your host, Connie Whitman, on webtalkradio.net. Thank you so much, everyone. Go and have an inspired week, and please go soak your brain. Have a good one. You've been listening to The Architect of Change with your host, Connie Whitman of Whitman Associates. Thank you for tuning in. We're glad you were here. Time may change me, but I